True or false, U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. That is what we are here to debate. I'm John Donvan of ABC News. We are at the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts at New York University and on NPR stations across the nation for this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate on the proposition U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. This is a contest, a a contest of a well-argued idea, a verbal joust. And you, our audience, are here to listen and to act as the judges. By the time this debate has ended, you will have been asked to vote two times, once before the arguments and once again afterwards. And the team that has changed the most minds will be declared our winner. So on to round one, opening statements by each team in turn. And I would like to introduce, as he rises from his table and heads to his podium, DeRoy Murdoch. He is a syndicated columnist with the Scripps Howard News Service, media fellow at the Hoover Institution. Like me, he does a lot of traveling on airplanes. And DeRoy, have you been in the system lately? Uh, John, I was in the system last night when I flew back from Nashville. And have you experienced your first pat-down? Uh, well, I have not yet, and I guess that uh, may come up at some point in the future, but uh, let me be clear, John, if you touch my junk. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, DeRoy Murdoch. <laughs> Just imagine that you work at JFK International Airport here in New York City, and you're at a Federal Express facility inspecting incoming packages that have just been pulled off of a uh, jet that's landed from Heathrow Airport in London. And you see a package from Somalia, and it's addressed to a synagogue in San Francisco. So you call over your, your uh, supervisor, you take a look at it, you discuss the package, and you decide that you're going to put it aside until a bomb-sniffing dog can come over and render its opinion on the matter. Congratulations, you just engaged in profiling. Now, obviously, packages are not people. FedEx boxes have neither civil rights nor emotions. However, in a world of limited time, personnel, and money, we have no choice but to focus on those people who threaten to destroy aircraft and the flying public who ride within them. Let me emphasize that we do not advocate letting airport security personnel cater to their own personal, ethnic, or ecclesiastical biases. Instead, we want the TSA and others to recognize that the current threat to passengers and airliners comes almost exclusively from one source, and we all know what it is. Young males between about 18 and 35 who practice a fundamentalist strain of the Islamic faith and generally hail from the Middle East, as well as largely Muslim nations in Africa and South Asia. Our opponents might say that the profile we've identified would miss someone like Timothy McVeigh. However, to look more carefully at someone does not mean that you ignore everyone else. Finally, what if we avoid terrorist profiling? At best, we will keep wasting scarce resources by subjecting everyone to the same time-consuming, often humiliating searches that have generated such public outrage recently. At worst, TSA officers might come face-to-face with a bomb-wielding passenger who fits the terrorist profile, but then breeze him through security because they don't want to make him uncomfortable. My team wants to prevent this from happening. Please join us in supporting tonight's resolution. U.S. U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Thank you very much. Thank you, DeRoy Murdoch. Well, you've just heard the motion restated. U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And now heading to her lectern, Deborah Burlingame, who was actually a career flight attendant. And then you went to law school and you practiced law. On September 11th, your brother took off at the controls of Flight 77 before the hijacking. He died in the crash into the Pentagon. I want to ask you, now that you're you're no longer practicing law, how, how do you define yourself, your role? 
Well, I started off just trying to find out what happened to my brother that day, and it evolved into essentially becoming a political activist. But I would just basically say I'm a troublemaker, and I hope to cause some trouble for those guys over there tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's see how you do. Deborah Burlingame. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I stand in opposition to the resolution that U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. The reason for my opposition is simple. It simply doesn't work. It, it results in a waste of time and resources. Uh, it is counterproductive. And by that, I mean it causes more harm than any good, any putative good. Um, for those of you sitting in this audience who are neither Arab-looking or South Asian-looking, uh, think back the last time you were at the airport. If you ever ever pulled out of line when you didn't expect it, when you hadn't said or done anything wrong, I ask you to consider what it would be like to experience that every time you go to the airport on every time you fly. Because you would be singled out, not for anything you said or did, you would be singled out uh, simply for the, the level of melatonin in your skin. Now, I frankly don't know how U.S. airports would profile on religion. I, I will only uh, bring to you the, the uh, example of uh, the airport security video that was uh, published, you can see it on YouTube, of the hijackers on my brother's plane. They look uh, like your typical American people. And there is nothing in that video that would suggest to you that they are terrorists um, or that they are Muslim or that they hate infidels and want to kill them. I'm in favor of behavioral profiling, and uh, I believe that does work uh, because the moment we profile on status, the enemy will seize on it and go in a different direction. I could go on and on um, about the morality or the immorality of doing this, but I'll leave that to our teammates. Please vote for us. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah Burlingame. U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. That is our motion. And now here to speak for the motion, Asra Numani, who is a, a former Wall Street Journal reporter. She now works on a project investigating, still investigating, the murder of Daniel Pearl, who was her friend and, and longtime colleague. Uh, she is the only American Muslim on the stage tonight. And I presume to say that you, you would, or as, let me say male members of your family, very likely would be those who would be pulled off the line. Do you... Am I be too presumptuous on that, or do you think that's realistic? No, I mean, I was happy to take the train from D.C. today. I do come from a Muslim family. My father has Muhammad in his name. He's 80-some years old, but he gets pulled. And still I stand before you and I say, profile me. Profile my family. Profile my father. Because inside of our Muslim community, I fundamentally believe that we have failed to police ourselves. We have failed our country here in America. We have failed our world. I express my deepest sorrow and sympathy to Deborah, to all of you who have felt the trauma of September 11th. And religion, ethnicity, and issues of race have a very direct relationship with issues of violence. A wonderful study by the State University of New York at Albany, concluded, what makes terrorist organizations more lethal is religious ideology. When you combine religion and ethno-nationalism, you get a dangerous combination. We saw that dangerous combination on September 11th. 
It was the manifestation of an interpretation inside of our Muslim world that justified an attack on an airport and on airliners. There was a fatwa issued by Osama bin Laden in 1998, and he established very clearly in there his marching orders, bring down their aircraft, have the attack be one of violence that is pitiless. And I have before me a Quran that comes from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and in it it says, guide us to the straight way. It's a very simple message. But what the government of Saudi Arabia has done is added into here, unlike the way of the Jews and the Christians. This ideology is the ideology that fuels the extremism, that makes airports and airliners targets. I'm not happy that this is happening inside of our community, but I tell you that we must be honest about it. And I urge you to vote for the motion that U.S. airports should use religious and racial profiling. Thank you so much. Thank you, Asra Nomani. I'd like to introduce and welcome to his lectern uh, Hassan Abbas. From, comes from Pakistan, has been living in the United States since the beginning of 2001. He was associated at that time with Harvard. He's now at Columbia. He now holds a PhD. But in the interim, after the attacks on September 11th, he wrote a book that made him very unpopular back in your home country because you said what? Because I had decided to declassify some of the stuff on my own um, and had talked about the militant groups and their linkages with the state, and um, I had criticized the darling of the West, uh, Pervez Musharraf. And you were for a long time a member of the administration I in was part Pakistan of the police service in before Pakistan. you came. Ladies and gentlemen, Hassan Abbas. I would argue right in the beginning, just be very clear about the topic. U.S. should profile based on racial and religious identity. There are three fundamental issues. The first and the foremost is about whether it is legal and constitutional. Secondly, what law enforcement tells you? What is their general consensus? And the third, what is the impact of this policy on the social fabric of society? First, very clearly, it is illegal and unlawful. Why? When we are saying that a person's of a certain religious identity, certain religious belief will be checked. So how will you do that? But let's leave even this argument on the side. And let me move on to something which is more profound, which is that this kind of religious profiling is not something which is an isolated thing at the airport. It has an impact on the job opportunities for that community. It has an impact on their status in the society. It has an impact on the kids. Another issue. This often is a cover-up a cover-up for bureaucratic bureaucratic incompetence and their failures. I would even argue that racial and religious profiling is already taking place. Just a brief anecdote. I have hardly a minute or so to tell you. um, About six, seven months ago, I was invited to go and give a lecture uh, to the NATO officers um, in Germany who were about to be deployed to to Afghanistan. And on the way back, and by the way, in the last 10 years, uh, despite all my academic work and other work about militants, I always am screened, and that's fine. As a former law enforcement officer, uh, here I agree with this. I'm absolutely fine with that. But if I am stopped every time, and the last time the question I was asked was, so you, what were you teaching? I said, about terrorism. Um, so, uh, so they said, really? So they, did the NATO officers pay you? I said, yes. W- w- whether that cash is in your bag? 
I said, no, that cash is not in my bag. But I was stunned. I'm fine with I'm profile. When my, but when I'm traveling with my family, and every time my, fam, my daughters ask me after four hours of waiting um, that, Baba, Dad, are you a criminal? Have you committed some terrorist attack? I would like to know Hasana what Abbas, should I tell I'm sorry, my your time is up. Thank, Thank you, you very much. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. The motion is, U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Stay with us. I'm John Donvan, and this is Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Welcome back to the program. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And here to argue for the motion, Robert Baer, a former CIA agent making his way to the lectern. And uh, Bob Baer is uh, the CIA guy journalists love to interview because he really did it in the late 70s through the 80s into the 90s. He really was a spy in the Middle East and wore disguises and jumped out of airplanes. And then he wrote a terrific book about it, a little bit naughty because he told a lot of secrets. It was turned into the inspiration for a movie called Syriana. And, and Bob, apparently you inspired the George Clooney role. Did you see the resemblance all along uh, I was, yourself? Uh, I was starting to get thick around the middle, yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Baer. Um, First, I'd like to say that uh, I have a daughter from Pakistan, and I have a lot of Pakistani visas. I'll say it now. I, I don't mind being stopped, and I have been stopped. What I, I think is a mistake is if we let this devolve, this argument, into Islam against the West or the United States against the West. Let me take an example. It may seem a bit facetious, but it's a very real one. Uh, the Secret Service has a source inside the Aryan Brotherhood, uh, the source says there's going to be an attempt on a black American president inside Washington, D.C., and that's all the details I have. The D.C. police are informed, the FBI, Homeland Security, and all we know at this point is probably going to take place in a week. What does the Secret Service do if it's directing this and the FBI? They do triage. They are going to be looking for white males with tattoos short haircuts, um, frequenting certain places of a certain economic stature. Those people are going to be profiled. So I, I, I think it's important to get away from this is, a, this is a crusade against Islam because that's not what it is. But at the end of the day, we, the problem is we are a liberal society. Uh, our intelligence, having served 21 years in the CIA and having tried and failed many times, is not good. We are not the Israelis. The Israelis know every single Palestinian, who gets on, who's safe, who needs to be searched, who doesn't. Scanners, don't do it. Behavior, look, look at the 9-11 bombers. They went to bars the night before. They were drinking. If the FBI had been after them, they didn't go to the mosque. And once they got on the airplane, I've seen the film, they look pretty normal to me. But had TSA been around and had they looked at this, they could have figured out where those, the, the muscle, 15, came from in Saudi Arabia and say, yes, that school of Islam had a proclivity for doing suicide bombings. Another thing, we go back to triage and the, why this profiling is, is, in a sense, repulsive, yes, because it is based on a certain amount of racism, let's face it, but there isn't a choice. This, this will happen in, in, in almost any good airport in the world. 
it is, is difficult a decision it is that we have to profile to help our intelligence services, and there isn't a choice. Thank you, Bob Baer. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And speaking finally against the motion, I'd like to introduce Michael Chertoff. When September 11th happened and the U.S. responded by creating the Department of Homeland Security, he was its first secretary. And uh, I want to ask you, Michael, at at that time, was there an internal debate about about making profiling policy? My my, my correction was Tom Ridge. Uh, But I want to get back to the question. Was there a a debate? There there? was a debate. And we sat at various times with the professionals, uh, people with lots of experience at border protection and at aviation protection and the FBI. And there was a unanimous belief that racial and religious profiling would be not only ineffective, but counterproductive from a security standpoint. All right, let's hear your argument. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Chertoff. The proposition here is, do we engage in racial or religious profiling? And the answer to that, I submit, is no. The proposition they argued for is, do we engage in behavioral profiling? Do we look at characteristics of people's behavior, where they went to school, where they traveled, Uh, things that they might have done, people they might have known. And do we use that as part of the basis for determining whether we need to take a closer look at them? And I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, That's good law enforcement. It's good intelligence. But it's not based on race or religion. You know, Robert Baer talked about the 9-11 hijackers uh, not being susceptible to behavioral profiling. I had the responsibility for investigating uh, that and for authorizing the prosecution of Musawi. And I can tell you, had we in fact examined their behavior, we would have seen the connections to uh, radicals and extremists uh, that would have tipped us off that we should have taken a closer look. That's a great argument for behavioral profiling. It's a lousy argument for racial or religious profiling. You know, DeRoy talked about the class of uh, people that we, he thinks we ought to be looking at. What is the race we ought to look at? He said, well, we ought to look at people who are Arabs or people from Muslim countries. Well, does that mean Indians, for example, most of whom are Hindu, some of whom are Buddhists? Uh, Does it mean people of Asian descent who live in South Africa? The sad reality is that there is no single group, ethnic uh, or uh, a group uh, signified by its appearance, that you can identify by looking at them in a way that will tell you that they are an extremist or not an extremist. Let's talk, let's talk about some of the more notable terrorists that have been apprehended in the last nine years. There's Jose Padilla, a converted Muslim, came from Chicago. There's Brian Neil Vinyas, came from Long Island. His parents were Catholic. He converted. He went to Pakistan. He trained. He came back to try to blow up subways. Daniel Maldonado went to Somalia. He was born in New Hampshire. Again, Catholic parents converted. None of this would be evident to the naked eye if this person went through the airport. I challenge the adversaries to tell you what is the race, what is the appearance that they would rely upon. I challenge them to tell you how are they going to know what religion people are. Are we going to have to start putting religion on your driver's license? Should we wear little armbands? Well, we don't want to go down that road. We know where that wound up 50 or 60 years ago. I suggest to you as hard as it is, we want to be sure the person next to us isn't a terrorist. And the way to do that is to look at behavior, to use intelligence, and frankly, sometimes to use uh, scanning and screening tools, but not to to, to rely upon racial or religious preconceptions, which will only mislead us and ultimately, frankly, probably cause more damage than good. Thank you. Thank you, Michael Turdoff. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. 
Now we move on to round two, where the debaters address one another directly and answer questions from you in the audience and from me as well. I'm John Donvan of ABC News, and at this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, we are arguing out this proposition, U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. On one side, we have Robert Baer, formerly of the CIA, uh, DeRoy Murdoch, a columnist, and Asra Nomani, who was a former uh, journalist for the Wall Street Journal, and uh, an American Muslim who recognizes, she says, the need for profiling this side. Arguing against this motion, Hassan Abbas from Pakistan, Deborah Burlingame, whose brother died on September 11th in the plane that crashed into the Pentagon, and Michael Chertoff, who was the second secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. They are arguing that profiling is corrosive, basically that it is un-American, but most importantly, that it does not work. It gets you looking at the wrong people and missing the right people. I want to go first to, to you, um, Asra Nomani. Your dad is, you said, in his 80s, and, and he has been pulled off of lines at airports? He has. That obviously being a case of a profile. I want to know, in what way does your dad, other than the fact that he's a Muslim, fit the profile of a terrorist? How does that make sense? He's got visa stamps from Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Jordan. So you've got travel through some of these nations that are problematic. And uh, I think basically the idea that that we have a religion that, you know, characterizes all of the uh, attacks that we've talked about. I mean, I'm really glad that Michael, Deborah, and Hassan chronicled for us who the attackers have been. Because what is the one distinguishing characteristic of all of them? Been Muslim. I mean, it is a sad reality, but unfortunately, these boys, our lost sons... Let me let your opponent, Michael Chertoff, respond to that. I think the problem is this. I mean, you know, Asher, I I don't disagree that there is an ideology uh, that uh, foments and, and, and motivates extremism. The difficulty is that ideology is only a small percentage of the total population of the religion. And it's not evident on the face of the person coming through the airport that they meet that ideology. Part of the problem is this one of the, again, you know, I mean, I hate to disturb a good argument with the facts, but much of the recruiting that occurs in the United States occurs in prisons, and it occurs, frankly, with African-American prisoners who become Muslim extremists. Now, they don't fit that profile. They don't come from Pakistan and Yemen. How are you going to deal with them when they go through the airport? The problem is what you're trying to argue is this. If we look at a certain class of people, we don't have to look at anybody else. And in that argument, you are giving the enemy the tool that they have told us they want, which is the ability to use our own prejudices as leverage to slip by our defenses. With all due respect, I mean, we are not talking specifically only about religion and race. At the end of the day, we have to be complete in our analysis. So we have to include religion, race, behavioral, and all the other factors. We don't look at just religion and race, because that's you, what does, threat does assessment side, is about. Does anybody on the other side object to that, an inclusion? Let it be part I, on the I menu? I actually do, because... Deborah Burlingame. Um, if, you, uh, if you object uh, to the pat-downs or some of the treatment that's going on at the airport right now, how are TSOs, who are the airport screeners, how are they going to be trained to look people over and employ the kind of discretion that you're talking about in in that sort of flash encounter they have with, I believe it's anywhere from 500 to 800 million passengers a uh, a year in U.S. international, U.S. carriers. 
I don't see how you can put, if you're, if you're going for behavioral profiling, what, what does race, race and religion add, and how is that going to be administered by, by fallible people at the airport? From him in a bit, I would agree with what saying, as I pointed out in my opening remarks, right, this is not an either-or proposition. I believe that we ought to include uh, in our airport uh, activities racial and religious profiling, but nothing here in the resolution says that would be to the exclusion of behavioral profiling or anything else. And I think it's also important to point out that the uh, threat profile can change. Uh, and I, I would ask the one Arguing against the motion. You had started your argument by saying your first sentences were, we have limited resources, we are short of time, so now you are arguing that every possible, everything that can be conceived should be added. Well, so you're asking let's basically try this. add... Well, I'm, I'm let me complete the argument. They're, they're, so now you're arguing that um, add 10 more things. Well, that will become much more complicated. I'm, I'm, we're talking let about adding two. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, let's just the, do the this. Other let's, let's think Wait, about Bob this. Bob Baird, do you, want to, do you want to come in and you can pass if, if I, you want? Oh, I, I, I go for the inclusive. I mean, you know, with, with the Christmas Day bomber, he was from Nigeria. He had been to Yemen. He was a Muslim... He was traveling with no luggage. He bought his ticket with cash. I mean, he should have been profiled, and part of it was because he was he was Muslim. How did I mean, the airport? But let me let me go back. How did he know he was Muslim? How would how would that? You look at the name. If you if you you you, you can look at the names. It's. I, I mean, his what? name has an Islamic name. It just does. Like I mean, Daniel I, Maldonado. I, is that an Islamic what? name? Daniel Maldonado, no, Islamic name? No, we're, no, no I, we're, think, I think the point... We're I think the about president of the United Reed States has a Muslim name and is a, a Christian name now. <laughs> no, but the point, the point is when we do... The point is that when we do profiling, we don't have to be stupid about it. I mean, how about if we take a few dollars away from this new security system that we have that's called Copperfield Security and basically turn it to some intelligent analysis of what the threat is about. I don't what's, think the other yeah, side disagrees no, with I'd, that, I'd like though. to say one thing that's very, you know, in 1954, the first state hijacking was conducted by Mossad, by Israel. I would have hoped, if there had been a TSA at the time, that they would have started looking at Israeli Jews. And would I have been called anti-Semitic at the time? Yeah, absolutely. But the fact is, that was the first hijacking. And it has t- nothing to do with Islam. Yeah, I, 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 actually, I still want to challenge the other panel to explain how you're going to tell who is a Muslim? It strikes me the premise of your argument is that you're going to be able to just tell by looking at somebody that they're a Muslim. This resolution says, talks about racial and religious profiling. And we know what that is because we saw it on the New Jersey Turnpike 10 years ago. That is, you see somebody, you say that person's, let's say, as in the case of the Turnpike, black, they're driving while black, I'm going to pull them over. That's racial and, racial and religious profiling, and that's what I think we're saying. That's not what we're talking about at all. That is absolutely not what we're talking about. There is a phenomenon where they want to talk now about you know, flying while Muslim to compare it to that same issue of driving while black. But the truth is that we don't have to be discriminatory in order to be discriminating. We don't have to be prejudicial if we're going to be pragmatic. We can be very realistic about this. Our motion is not about figuring out how we're going to do it. We need to come to agreement, I think, and send a really important message that we are going to put away political correctness and look very practically at the issues of race and religion as they impact airport security. What Michael is trying to do is take us down a path that I'm afraid we're not paid enough to do. Deborah Burlingame. I think to punt on the subject, Azra, with all due respect, of how we're going to do it really is, um, it doesn't do justice to the resolution because 
frankly, you know, the proof is in the pudding. The, the Especially devil, since the, their argument is that it doesn't work. The, 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 well, of course the, the it works. The devil is in the details. And, and I have to say, um, it is quite true that um, there is assiduous recruiting going on in U.S. prisons. They call it Prislam. It's a kind of a bastardized version of, of Islam. And they play on their sense of injustice. And they would absolutely use um, this kind of profiling as, as exhibit A of why you should be angry, not only at the U.S. government, but the, but the people and your neighbors who live around you. Come join us. And um, I, I, we know that they're Deborah, doing that. Deborah, let me, let me ask you a question, a little bit of personal experience, but it relates to something that the other side has said. I'm, I'm married to an Israeli. I'm not Jewish. Anytime I fly to Israel without my wife, I'm profiled as not Jewish. Thank you. Um, and, and I go through, I'm, I'm pulled off, and I have a passport also full of Arab country stamps, and I'm pulled off. I spend sometimes an hour, hour and a half. They actually, in the middle of the night, call my in-laws, is this guy for real? It's a big pain in the neck. But once I'm on the plane, I'm glad they did it to the guy behind me. Where, where is the offense? Because there, there is also that pragmatic side. It's, it's not nice, but if it keeps the planes flying, then I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to go with it. I think it's, it is offensive when you're pulling people aside who have a sense within them, that they have done nothing wrong. Remember, this is a community that's already under assault. I, it pained me, frankly, to hear Azra apologizing for the, for the beast the, who did that brutality on 9-11 to my brother. Um, I do not hold Muslims responsible, all Muslims of the world, responsible for the acts of a few. Uh, I want to go back to Hassan Abbas. I would argue that um, in response to your question that you feel more comfortable about the person who is sitting behind you, there is life that exists outside those airports also. We have to look at a larger picture. The consequences of this whole issue that every Muslim or or someone from one country background has to be looked at, as I had mentioned, it means you are isolating the whole community. It It is fashionable today to be very critical of the Muslims. But look at it in a historical, larger, comprehensive uh, uh, context. We are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan of ABC News. We have six debaters, two teams of three, arguing out this motion, U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And I'd like to just take a moment to take the temperature of the audience to gauge your opinion of what you're hearing so far. And we'll start with you, sir. Um, So I understand the argument that racial profiling creates a blueprint for potential terrorists to avoid, but I don't understand how behavioral profiling doesn't do the same thing. Thank you. Uh, I would like to hear more from the panel against the motion, what they think about countries who do racially and um, religiously profile and are successful like Israel. Okay. The one thing I'd like to hear that I have not heard, what does the data and the evidence show? Does profiling make people on flights safer. Is there data on that? Let's go to Bob Baer on that, if you know the answer. Let me, let me, uh, Michael you know, I, I, get, I used to get asked about the Israeli uh, situation all the time. Uh, the Israelis do a very good job, but they have 20 flights a day. We have, <laughs> we have, we have like 20,000 flights a day. I mean, this, and I've talked to the Israelis about this. The scale of what they have to do is trivial compared to what we have to do. It's a different system. By the way, when they take you into secondary, you don't get a virtual strip search. You get a real strip search. I've been shown what they do. Um, so I think it's not practical in the context of our airport architecture. I'm John Donvan, correspondent for ABC News Nightline and host and moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating. The motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Stay with us.
I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. The motion is, U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Welcome back to the program. Can I mention something that we do have happening in, in our airports today? Troy Murdoch. There's a very interesting uh, article that I've seen on MSNBC.com about a man by the name of Tom Sawyer, no less, age 61. He happens to have survived bladder cancer. And as he was being patted down by the TSA, he said, look, I need to tell you that there is a, I have a medical condition, and the TSA agent didn't want to hear it. He proceeded to pat him down very hard. The, uh, the bag that collects urine burst, and this poor man was covered in his own urine. Um, and so my question to Michael Chertoff, who I guess you supervised the TSA when you were Secretary uh, of Home, at Homeland Security, what would you say to someone like him who's gone through this really humiliating yeah, experience? Why should we follow the status quo rather than using racial religious that, profiling com- at our listen, airports? That's completely unacceptable behavior for someone to do that. And the, but the fact that you get a, a minority of people who are either are belligerent or behave improperly doesn't mean that the right answer is to racially profile. Supposing the guy had been a Muslim uh, from Pakistan, same thing would have happened. Is, is it just that we wouldn't care because he was a Muslim? I mean, th- that's... You know, part of the problem is people, I I, I really understand, I I travel a lot by air. I go through the same thing everybody else does. People are looking for a magic bullet. They like to know there's some way to distinguish the bad guy from me. And uh, until we find a foolproof way to do it, um, using racial profiling as a way of avoiding bad behavior by a a TSO is not the right answer. Let's go to some questions now from the audience. And... um I think we're assuming that uh, terrorists have limited intelligence because the Mumbai terrorist attacks were carried out by a United States citizen called David. And we were warned that terror terror attacks were going to happen in Mumbai, apparently. But nothing came of it because we were profiling according to the kind of terrorists that we've had earlier. And the person who carried it out was an American citizen called David Hadley. And we just completely missed him because we weren't looking for him. But what I would actually argue is that, for example, in the case of the Mumbai attacks, and this this man, David Hadley, he was Muslim. He was from Pakistan. He had changed his name so that he could hide his identity. Obviously, in terrorist circles, there's something that they call false flag operations, where people try to hide their own identity. And we have to outsmart that. I mean, we have to be one step ahead of them in terms of how they're trying to hide their identity. And that's what I think David Headley was doing. Uh, Gentleman in the white shirt, and if you could rise. Yeah, it seems to me that the question is, is should U.S. airports use any racial or religious profiling? And I, I guess I feel like I hear the two teams sort of arguing different sides of that. So I guess the question I have is, should U.S. airports use any racial or religious profiling can at I, all? Can I answer that one? Yes, Deborah um, Burlingame. Do you all remember the, the infamous flying imams uh, from uh, four years ago at Thanksgiving time? They boarded a plane at U.S. airport in Minneapolis, they got out on the floor and started doing uh, Muslim prayers very loudly. They were shouting out, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, very, very loud. They frightened the passengers all around them because, let's face it, um, Allahu Akbar, I wrote about this for the Wall Street Journal, is the last thing that, was re- that you hear on the uh, light data re- or the cockpit voice recorder of 93 as it screamed into the ground. Did that prevent them from being allowed to board that plane? No. Once they got on the plane, they weren't finished. 
they were together in the boarding area, but now they're scattered in the front, center, and back of the plane. This is the exact configuration of the 9-11 execution teams. They asked for seatbelt extensions for obese people. None of these men were obese. They rolled them up tightly and put them under their seats. This is all behavior. Once they've identified themselves as Muslim, then you're not profiling anymore. You're just being minimally observant. Okay, Oscar And you don't ignore it. Oscar Namani to respond. But what was the religion that was being profiled there? It was Islam. I mean, we can't deny that. We're not yelling out the Lord's Prayer now, were they? But it was their behavior that got them in trouble, not their religion. It was religious profiling. Question from the second row. Um, My question is for those arguing for this motion. Um, Do you agree that the word U.S. can be replaced with any other country facing threats? And in that case, given the amount of state terrorism sponsored by the United States and the Middle East, thousands of Iraqis, Afghans killed, um, should U.S. citizens everywhere be profiled? Bob Barrett. Oh, well, they, they are profiled. I mean, yeah. if, if I go to the tribal areas of Pakistan, you can count on it that I would... What? Well, I mean, no, any place we're at war with. And same with Iraq. It Here, I'm pro- Yes, I'm profiled. Why? I mean, that's why American citizens oftentimes will hide their passport when they travel to countries like those, because uh, uh, they are profiled. I happen to think the United States is a force for good, so uh, I, I, would, uh, I sort of reject the premise of your, of your question. Um, one more question. Uh, it's right there. I have a question for Judge Chertoff. Um, I agree if we have detailed information about someone's personal behavior, that may be more probative than race or religion. But a lot of times we don't have that information. A lot of times all we know is that someone bought a ticket with cash or they're not traveling with luggage. We don't have the resources to stop everyone who bought a ticket with cash or doesn't have luggage. We do have the resources to stop every Muslim who paid in cash or doesn't have luggage. Do you agree that if all we know about someone is they paid in cash or they're carrying no luggage, that if we add in the fact that they're Muslim, that increases the probability they might be a sponsor of terrorism. You know, here's my problem. My problem is I have a, a lot of difficulty understanding how we're going to know they're Muslims. And uh, your ability to guess who's a Muslim would have probably have failed if you'd come to face-to-face with Jose P.D. or Danny Maldonado. The pro- I understand that the, the desire to believe there's some way of, of separating groups out like this, but the difficulty is you're, you're way over-inclusive in some respects, but more important, frankly, and more troubling is you're under-inclusive because the guy who you really have to worry about is the guy who is not going to let you know he's a Muslim. And that's the, that's the flaw in using religious or racial profiling. And that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. And here's where we are. We are about to hear closing statements from each debater. They will be two minutes each. Remember, you, you in the audience voted before this debate. You're going to get to vote again. This is their last chance to change your minds just a few minutes from now when you pick the winner. So on to round three, closing statements. To speak first against the motion, Deborah Burlingham, co-founder of Keep America Safe and 9-11 Families for a Safe and Strong America. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Deborah Burlingham. I'm going to close with a story, a real story. I actually spoke to this man just yesterday because I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight. He worked for 26 years at American Airlines. He was given a nickname, a moniker called the detective because he was so, so good at picking out bad actors. He was a customer service agent uh, at American Islands on the morning of 9-11, and he boarded two of the muscle, hijack- muscle hijackers that were probably the men who killed my brother. And here's what he said about them. They paid in $2,000 cash, paper tickets, 
Um, they dro- they uh, were in first class, dressed poorly, not just cheap shoes, the kind of shoes poor people would wear. I couldn't understand what people dressed like that would be doing with fir- in a first class cabin. And he didn't know if they were Saudis. He thought they might be Pakistanis. But all he knew was that this picture didn't add up. So he selected them for secondary screening. He selected them for, for secondary screening. And he says, I normally travel with, walk them over surreptitiously and nod to the agents to let them know, be sure you check these guys good. He said, I didn't do that that time. And it's been rough for him. I asked him one last question. I said to him, is there, was the fact that they were Arab-looking have any effect on your actions that day? And he said, yes. I didn't walk them over that day because I didn't want my colleague to think I was a racist and a bigot. And that, to me, is, I believe, what will happen at U.S. airports and will happen in this country. It will have a reversed effect of people being afraid of being identified as racists and bigots because Debra, they Debra call people out on the up. basis of their skin color or their religion. Deborah Burlingame, you. your time is up. Thank you very much. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And now to summarize his position for this motion, DeRoy Murdoch, a syndicated columnist with the Scripps Howard News Service and a media fellow with the Hoover Institution. Uh, It is true that you might, in an effort to catch uh, everyone who happens to be a Muslim, perhaps not catch someone like Jose Padilla, who was of Hispanic background and converted uh, to Islam, or perhaps people who uh, have gone through Prislam, as I believe Deborah put it, who've gone to prison and been radicalized there and might be black. Uh, But because they might not go through the profile doesn't mean that we ignore the fact that there are people from the Middle East who are Islamic, uh, unfortunately, and they represent the profile of those who threaten us, threaten this country at this time. Uh, I also think that if al-Qaeda gets smart and says, well, I guess they're looking for people who look like those who who are 911 hijackers, we probably should go to the trouble of finding women who are blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Let al-Qaeda go to the trouble of finding blonde-haired, blue-eyed women who agree with them and want to blow themselves up. That is going to be a lot more difficult for them to fish around in that pool than to find more Muslim men who are 18 to 35. Let's at least make things difficult for them. And the last point I'd make is uh, the consequences of this. Uh, I'm very uh, sympathetic to the points that Hassan has made about uh, Muslim children asking their parents if they're, uh, if they're going through uh, uh, questioning at the airports, Daddy, did you just do something wrong? Daddy, are we criminals? That is very tragic and very sad. But I think the other consequence we must remember is if somebody slips through, uh, if we have something like that happen, we have much, much worse consequences than people feeling uh, duly upset and sad. We want to keep them alive no matter where they're from. Thank you, Doray Murdoch. Summarizing his position against the motion, Hassan Abbas, international and public affairs professor at Columbia University and former official in the Benazir Bhutto and Pervez Musharraf administrations. Thank you very much. I would just make you one big request, which is not to ignore and, not, uh, and always to remember the very idea of America. Um, I would highly encourage you to go and read the Fourth Amendment and the Fourteenth. Um, reading the First Amendment will not be that harmful also. So don't forget about the essence, what terrorists want. They actually want you to scare, to make wrong choices. Terrorism starts influencing your policy choices, and terrorism plays fear on you, fear of the unknown. When will the next attack happen? I've heard senior intelligence and security people say, we are certain next attack is going to happen, we just don't know when. Well, these kind of generalizations at times are counterproductive. It is about having access to those communities which are at risk. Communities which are also fighting extremists. 
Don't forget that within the Muslim world, in United States and all around the world, there are people among the Muslims, majority mainstream, who are fighting extremists. Don't isolate them. Don't lose the hearts and minds. So yes, do profiling, but don't lump anyone together. That will be something exactly opposite to all what this great country stands for. Thank you. Thank you, Hassan Abbas. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling in summarizing her position for the motion, Asra Nomani, author and former Wall Street Journal reporter who teaches journalism at Georgetown. Deborah told a very moving story about a man who was among the last to see the hijackers. What is it that he said? He said that they looked like Arab terrorists if I'd ever seen them. If that man could have participated in some type of religious and racial profiling, perhaps the tragedy that we knew on 9-11 could have been mitigated somewhat. And that is the motion. We're not, we're not talking about persecution. We're not talking about discrimination. But to argue that we will create new extremists is, I think, completely without basis because they have enough reason to hate us. That same Saudi Quran that I read to you, that translation, it says, then when the sacred months have passed, then kill the non-believers wherever you find them and capture them and besiege them. These are people who are not the majority inside of our Muslim community, but there is a minority inside of our global community today who believe this interpretation of Islam. And we have to figure out how to identify them so that we can keep our skies safe and so that we can actually live lives that, in which we don't have to be in fear. I urge you to vote for the motion that airports should use religious and racial profiling. We need to be smarter than the enemy. Thank you, Asra Nomani. U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. That's our motion. And now to summarize his position against the motion, Michael Chertoff, former Secretary of Homeland Security and co-founder of the Chertoff Group. I agree with Asra. We do need to be smarter. And that's what concerns me about the motion that's been put. I think it's not smarter. I think it uh, attempts to fight the struggle of 2010 by looking at what we faced on 2001. We all agree we have to look for extremists. The problem is that what I've heard today is a list of preconceptions about what the extremists look like. I have not heard anybody say how they're going to figure out what religion you are at the airport while you're waiting online. And what really concerns me is this. If you can't pick out people except by looking at what you imagine an Arab looks like, or by looking at a name or a face and trying to say this is a Muslim, if that's what you're focused on, you're not focused on the kind of subtle cues that actually tell you that somebody is dangerous. The enemy is acutely aware of what we imagine a terrorist looks like. So for me, it's a very simple choice. Frankly, every other consideration uh, goes secondary to the issue of being effective. That's what I spent most of the last 10 years trying to do is be effective in preventing this from happening again. And I don't think we're effective if we take what I consider to be the lazy man's way out of trying to figure out who fits a racial or religious profile as opposed to what is real intelligence analysis, which is to look at behavior. If religion is part of that behavior and, can, and is an element of what you see that gives you a specific behavioral picture, that's not profiling. That's good intelligence work. Thank but you, Michael Shredoff. 
Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. And now here to summarize his position against the motion, Robert Baer, a former CIA field officer assigned to the Middle East and currently Time.com's intelligence columnist and a best-selling author. I apologize for ending this on a bit of an academic note, but I would like to take a country that I'm not particularly fond of, and I wrote a book about, and they're not fond of me either, and that's Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia had a very bad terrorism problem, 2003, 2004. Princes were being killed, car bombs were going off, and we got a new king in Saudi Arabia, King Abdullah, And he sat down with his intelligence chief, Mohammed bin Nayef, and he said, profile, who are the people, where are they coming from, what tribe, what sect, what religion. The first thing they sat down and they eliminated immediately were Saudi Shia, who were an oppressed minority, but they were not blowing themselves up. They were not turning to suicide bombings, radical Islam. Since then, all attacks on Saudi Arabia have come from outside the country. They have whipped the problem. I would prefer if we had the opportunity, we had the intelligence to base all of our profiling on behavior. Tickets, flight lists, uh, the history of people, um, uh, digital databases, credit checks. But right now, this country does not have that capacity to run an algorithm through every single flight that comes into this country, nor can it even keep track of the people that are in this country. And this forces the police and TSOs to fall back on a very primitive, uh, unattractive uh, weapon, but it's the only weapon we have at this point until our intelligence gets better. Thank you. Thank you, Bob Baer. And that concludes our closing statements. And now it is time to learn which side has argued best. Our motion is U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. Before the debate, 37% were for this motion. U.S. airports should use racial and religious profiling. 37% were for, 33% against, and 30% undecided. After the debate, 49% are for the debate. That is up 12%. 40% were against. That's up only 7%. 11% remain undecided. The side for the motion carries the debate. Our congratulations to them. And for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared, we'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, presented by the Rosencrantz Foundation, was held at New York University's Skirball Center for the Performing Arts. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Dana Wolf is the executive producer. Maureen McMurray and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit www.iq2us.org. To hear the full unedited version or to sign up for the Intelligence Squared podcast, visit npr.org slash intelligence squared. Intelligence Squared is distributed by NPR.